0: How's it going? Uh, Michael McQuaid here, Irish NFL show. Monday night, uh, nobody's turned up, which is a bit embarrassing for us as a company and a, and a brand. That's a joke. Uh, here's the lads, column. Brian, Mark. Uh, how are we doing? Week 2, Monday Night Football. Uh, bank holiday for me up here to this. I'm, I'm very, very slow to the... Uh, to the enthusiasm, I'm, I'm going to get into it now lads, but obviously uh, a big night of uh, a double Monday Night Football and Column, uh, a warm welcome
1: to you, how are you doing, man, you right. Uh, good Michael, I, I feel almost hoarse this evening from joining in with the Broncos fans in helping the team out to realise that there's an actual play clock in the, the game. Um, I, a new addition obviously that the NFL brought in just this year given the uh, struggles that the Broncos and Nathaniel Hackett seem to be having currently.
0: Brian, uh, we'll just get out of the way now. You're obviously not going to pick the Eagles tonight.
2: Um, I haven't made me pick yet, Michael. I'll, I'll refer to that later on in the show. I don't want to ruin it for everybody who jumped on <laughs> just to see if I'm going to pick the Eagles. Um, this witching hour is becoming just truly uh, unbelievable to watch every week. Uh, we're only two weeks into the season and there's so many talking points and some of the games last night, which looked totally over and, and blowouts somehow teams came back and had miraculous comebacks and it it's that's seen enough for again another then great monday night with two games tonight and uh, i'm sure we're going to get into lots of uh, bits and pieces around all these games
0: mark how are we doing uh, a big week a big week two in the nfl we are now uh, outside of two weeks away from london town uh, it's it's getting good
3: uh, michael it never never ceases to be good um I'm reminded in 1986, Michael, Graham Gooch turned around to Ian Botham and asked him, who writes your scripts? He'd come back from a ban for marijuana use. His first ball back, he takes a wicket. His second over, he then breaks the world record for most wickets. And Gooch's line was, who writes your scripts? That's my line to the NFL every single week of the regular season. Like, who writes these scripts? We thought last week the witching hour was crazy and unbelievable and madness. And then this week, we had two of the most improbable comebacks of all time, let alone all the other great drama that went on. So who writes this michael i
0: didn't get any of that let's just i don't know who that is so let's let's just go on Uh, we're we're presented by cassidy travel ireland's biggest travel agent Uh, check out the information in the bio both on the podcast and the email email jamie if you want to go on your own nfl style holiday between now and christmas or the fact that you've now got week 17 and 18 the other side of christmas or the other side of crimbo check it out you can have your own holiday uh check out the link for game pass as well in the bio and a warm welcome to everyone watching live uh, or listening to a podcast and we are sort of blown away folks by the support in the podcast so thank you all very very much and obviously blown away by the people that are watching on youtube and twitter as well uh if you are watching live please do leave some questions comments and we'll get back to that at some point in the broadcast tonight and we will give as much um as much detail and attention as we can but let's let's get into the first segment of this broadcast tonight and we're going to look back on what was a stellar week two uh, once we do that uh, we will look at the game picks for tonight there's a double monday night football so by the top of the hour we'll give our picks as well for those two games uh, let's start off column the browns and um, joe flacco uh, <laughs> the browns at a 13 point lead over the jets and joe flacco completely ruined them at the end turning back the years literally with a a stunning win and it was only one surprise in what was an absolutely insane insane nfl sunday but hell of a comeback from the jets robert sally said he was keeping receipts if anybody's keeping receipts you might want to look at my picks yesterday uh sweet jesus huh
1: well, this uh, was a, a huge shock, in fairness. Most people didn't give the Jets any chance uh, against the the Browns, uh, but kudos to, to the Jets and kudos to Flacco. And they seem to have certainly found themselves a wide receiver in Gart Wilson, who was outstanding. And it would have been very easy, again, for the heads to drop. 133 left, down 13 points. It, it should highlight to everyone around the, the league that games are never over. And truly, you know, the it's a cliche. Any given Sunday, it exists for a reason. And, you know, I, I've heard a lot of talk, I suppose, today about how Chubb should have gone down um, in, instead of running in that, that touchdown. I think it's going to be very, very hard to... Um, you know, get a player not to actually score. I think it was m- much more on the the Browns' defense, their inability to to stop the Jets. But Flacco, you know, in those last uh, couple of tries, he was marching down the, the field at, at will, and that is not something I expected and not something we've seen in a while. So, yeah, kudos to the Jets. A, a great comeback and a great win.
0: Hell in for the Jets, Brian, uh, Gart Wilson looked at one point like he might be severely injured and then he just played on. Not an issue whatsoever.
2: Yeah, he showed he showed last night the attributes to why he was the tenth pick in the first round and he was highly sought after by a number of teams, you know you know, we saw a nice move up to twelve very quickly after to take a wide receiver. Yeah, yeah, he had a big you know, he had a big game that's but I do want to go back to the Chubb thing for a piece. I know Colin is right when he's saying that you can understand why Chubb has run the touchdown in. He's probably thinking, it, with all due respect, it's the Jets. We've got a strong defense. We're 13 points up. And and again, he, he was expecting a kicker. Who had a solid game last week, to, the rookie, to kick an extra point, which he then goes and misses. But a couple of years ago, Chubb had a similar scenario where he was running down the sideline. All the people playing fantasy, all the people had money on him to score a touchdown. What expect him to run it in. And when he got to the one-yard line, he walked off the field and he said, I needed to take the ball out because selfie that won the game so I was quite surprised to see having seen it before with that particular player that he didn't do the exact same thing what about that blown coverage like I know that we're saying about Flacco went up and down the field but the, the initial touchdown to get themselves in a the position to go for the onside kick blown coverage I mean there was no blown coverages all day by when I mean, with this Browns and then they go missing at the wrong time and Amari Cooper he scores a touchdown in the game and then how how he muffs that in terms of like you bring your best players on for onside kicks, your wide receivers are the most solid hands. For him not to take that ball, to be honest, it's unforgivable for, for the Browns team. That should be really two and oh and they're, they're reeling off it they're very difficult to beat. And this one could stench and stay with him for quite some time.
0: Hell of an NFL Sunday mark and obviously talking about this first game as I have volume up on my four computer screens that we're talking about right now. Uh, this was some performance from the Jets to turn it around and really shut a lot of people up in the league including I think everybody here because there's been Jets fans calling us out for weeks now on Twitter um, and Patriots fans. Hi everyone. Um, hell of a performance and really impressive as well. It's great to see them give Robert Sala and, and that management especially Mr Lafleur on the offence uh, a chance and they and they deserve that result yesterday.
3: No, they they absolutely do, Michael. I think it's fair to say that we've been pretty complimentary of Robert Sala as a coach, and I've certainly called out the fact that I think he's got a great uh, – he is a great coach. Um, there's always just been the question, do they have enough uh, talent on the field? And, you know, Joe Flacco starting, he certainly rolled back the clock. There's a few quarterbacks uh, that we've called out from time to time, and many people in the media have called out from time to time that uh, uh, week two certainly made uh, statement performances. And we never doubted, I don't think, that the defense on the Jets would substantially improve. And they definitely did this weekend. Um, But there is a question to be said. I mean, yes, Flacco led the, the team down twice. But to what extent did the Jets win it and the Browns lose it? And we can talk about that in another big game, I'm sure, we'll come to very shortly. It's not just the Chubb decision. You know, Kareem Hunt went out of bounds on one occasion uh, when he could have kept the clock running. Kay York, let's not forget, he was the GOAT last week. He's certainly the GOAT this week as well, but on the opposite end of the spectrum because he missed the extra point. If he doesn't miss the extra point, the game's still going to uh, overtime unless the Jets go for two. So his miss after that Chubb touchdown is pretty critical in the whole scheme of things. The Chubb decision we can analyze to and fro, but still there's so many opportunities for them to do something differently. I mean, how about recover the onside kick and of so trying this weird shepherding it to the sidelines nonsense that seemed to occur. Fair play to the Jets. They made the plays. And we talked a little bit about how Brian Daybol was fired up after week one with the Giants. Did you see the reaction of Robert Salah after the game scene interception? That is a man who's fired up and also has a team that's fired up for him. Like their reaction to him genuinely uh, was quite inspiring as well. So, you know, huge, huge kudos to, to the Jets. We don't get to say it very often. I think it's the first time since 2010 that the Jets, Giants, and Jaguars uh, and Lions, sorry, have won on the same day. So, you know, dreams can come true, Michael.
0: The Jets, remember, only put up nine points in week one. Um... In, in the game yesterday, they gained four hundred and two yards of offense and scored fourteen points in the game's final minute and twenty two seconds with Joe Flacco, a quarterback. The question that I have for Cleveland is: we can sit here and we can make complaints about the quarterback saying that well he's out, uh, he's out until week thirteen. He's not going. He's not going to be back until that Texans game. Well, if your defence isn't going to show up, then what's the point? The secondary looks completely inept at the minute, and I just can't see how, if they play like that for the next four or five weeks, that they'll continue to win a game. I mean, who did Cleveland beat week one, lads? The Carolina Panthers, who went and lost to the New York Giants yesterday. I mean, literally, and look, fair fair play to the Giants. I'm I'm sure, no doubt, that they're probably one of the discussion points in this broadcast today, so we'll talk about them at a later point. But I I don't know what to say about the Browns, and I, I just don't get the... I don't get the whole hype train now and I don't think they'll perform well enough uh, before Deshaun Watson comes in uh, and talking about Deshaun Watson just to call out some of the fans of the Cleveland Browns and, and the way that they were uh, going on yesterday and so I, I'm not going to go into detail on it but I can't root for that and I think any football fan outside of the Browns and look there's Browns fans in Ireland and I'm sure they're very conflicted but the fan base a lot of the fan base were letting themselves down yesterday and I don't frankly as an NFL fan have time for that so I'm, I'm delighted for the Jets who deserve and they're putting a lot of effort in regardless of the whole situation with Zach Wilson being injured at the minute they're putting the effort in you can see the dividends being paid off yesterday and uh, fair play to them
2: you know, One thing with Jacoby Brissett like, we, we spoke during the off season around the fact that He's purely going to be a game manager by well and large, but he did game manage the game very well. Like it was a complete meltdown. They had 13 forced downs in the fourth quarter alone. Like there's an offense that finds a, that has put themselves in a position to win the game, and you can't put it on like him. You know he's played two games, but you know he didn't give he didn't give away any any interceptions last week, and uh, he he won the game essentially, and then they have this complete meltdown. So I I don't think we should be dismissing the Browns just yet because of this game. We've seen many times in, in the league, like we won't get into this game in too much detail, but we saw what the Falcons, the Falcons had the ball at the end to beat the Rams. And you just never know on any given Sunday is to see.
3: Look, Brian, just one thing is the last 2,229 teams to have a lead of 13 points or more in the last two minutes of the game, all won. The last team to fail this miserably and lose in sp- such spectacular fashion were... The Browns in two thousand and one against the Bears. This is a reminder, your weekly reminder, if anyone needs it. God hates Cleveland. There we go. Lovely.
0: I don't know how this wasn't top of the list, but uh, let's let's talk about this. A quarterback in the league yesterday um flew <laughs> for three hundred and eighteen yards, three touchdowns, and I said that as loud as possible on the audio podcast, shouting it down the down the speakers. And rushed for one hundred and nineteen yards. Never mind the fact that his two main wide receivers in Bateman, um sorry, his two main receivers in Bateman and Mark Andrews had over two hundred yards on the day alone. But then go to the other side of the ball because Tua, t- Tua yesterday had six touchdowns and four hundred and seventy yards. Um it's a real pity column that we have peaked as a league in week two. There's no game this season's going to be better than this. There will be no game statistically that will be better than this. And I, I asked this last night, I'll ask it again. Who in the hell, regardless, I, I don't care if you have Tyreek Hill or Waddle or Gasicki or anybody. Who in the hell lets in 28 points in the fourth quarter to any team? I mean, don't get me wrong, it was unbelievable from the Dolphins. But what's going on in Baltimore as well? Like It's just insane. What a game, man.
1: Well, the reason the Jets uh, were were top, I, I uh, told Brian that because I think the Jets deserve some love. And in fairness, to one one, I go back to it one thirty three and thirteen points down. Um, phenomenal! This was a phenomenal performance as well, obviously from Tua and and the Dolphins. Um, I I can say, you know, they like to come back in the manner they did. But the the Ravens have uh, injury issues, and the Dolphins have the speed like we have not seen in the the league in terms of Waddle and Tyreek Hill and they have a head coach in Mike McDaniel who is incredibly creative and is using them in all sorts of interesting ways so the ways in which they're they're lining up um, it you know, creates confusion. This was great. This was like one of those old kind of heavyweight boxer fights that, that you used to, to see because there was a lovely creativity from the Ravens as well. And Lamar was at his brilliant best. But if the Dolphins can keep their team fit, they are going to cause all sorts of trouble because how do you keep up with Tyree Kill and uh, Jayden? Jalen Waddle and Mark's Mark's guy Gaziki was even getting in on on the fun yesterday so I am intrigued to see what Mike Madani could do it's only week two it, things are, are still settling down there there will be ups and downs they're not going to win it they're not going to be able to come back and they can't allow themselves to get, get into to holes like that again but um, I was very impressed uh, with the, the Dolphins offense yesterday Brian,
0: um, if they play the guy every week, they're going to win the AFC East,
2: yeah? Yeah, if two was given all the time in the world to show the ball down the field, like he wasn't in this in the late in the game because the first half, they pressured him non-stop and he couldn't he couldn't manage it. And then in this in towards the late a quarter four-quarter, the Ravens only uh, rushed two and then they went zero coverage on Tyreek Hill throughout the course of the game. Last week, the Patriots doubled up on Tyreek Hill and he still had a reasonably good game. Didn't score a touchdown, but his stats were still quite high. They went zero coverage. Throughout the course of the fourth quarter, and there's 28 points off 21 players. Like, at what stage did they not realize that Tyreek Hill is one of the fastest wide receivers in the league, and they continuously allow him to go zero coverage with a new defensive coordinator? That must be, I mean, Harbaugh must be saying, What were you doing there? And um, there were so many plays in this game that were explosive. Like, the Rams had six ex, six explosive plays in the game, and they scored three touchdowns off them. So, usually, when you score three touchdowns through a game, you're also eating into a lot of clock. There was so much time left in the game. Okay, I'm not saying that. It was never like they were going to come back at 20, being 21 points down going to the fourth quarter. But there was, uh, They didn't run out the clock. They didn't have these long drives which ate the clock and tie down that offense defense. So it was like quick boom, 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 touchdowns. And there was two fourth downs in the game by the Ravens that they went for and they didn't get any points off. The one which they fumbled, you know, if they take three points there, does that, I know it's only three points, but still the momentum and the fraction of the game may, may change. And then there was another one where they went for a fourth down in, in the middle of the field and they didn't get it. So it's a it's a what-if scenario tariq in 191 yards and two touchdowns but i just couldn't understand why they didn't adjust the secondary bearing in mind they were getting injuries and they were bringing players in why they just didn't double double team them, jam them at the line put someone in behind them like what like what the cardinals did to devontae adams throughout the course of that game so they've uh yeah it's an incredible comeback but two have got so much time in the fourth quarter um but i, I did say it started and i felt they would run the bills club, so it doesn't surprise me that mcdonald's getting this reaction out of his team
0: Mark, uh, we're on course now for something out of the wire with Lamar Jackson. The bill's going up every week for this guy in Baltimore. Um, Are we going as far as 280, 290 million? If he he continues to play the guest, because Tua played incredible, but Lamar Jackson still had one hell of a game.
3: And Lamar deserves a huge amount of credit and his uh, price point only goes up uh, every week that goes by. Um, He's certainly bet on himself this season, him and his mother to negotiate uh, his contract. Um, And yeah, the price point definitely goes up for Baltimore. I mean, let's be honest. They still put 38 points on the board. I mean, a Miami win in the AFC, if they play that every week, the answer is no, because their defense needs to substantially improve. But, I don't want to take away from what is a historic comeback and historic performance. I mean, we just talked about the stats for the Browns game. I know this is bandied around. Oh, and 777, 771. That's what the record was for teams being behind by 21 plus points in the fourth quarter. Um, Again, 2011, I think, was the last time a team had come back from this size of a deficit. So, again, it's a monumental achievement to come back how they did. Um, Records were set all over the place. Hill and Waddle, first teammates in history, in NFL history, to have 10-plus catches, two touchdowns, and 150 receiving yards each. So this question about whether these explosive, speedy threats could uh, kind of enliven what had been a bit a bit of a moribund uh dolphins offense last year have been affirmatively answered. And Tua take about. I mean, yes, you are the only quarterback in the entire league though who never goes by his surname on broadcasts because you know they'll call out Jackson, they'll call out Rogers, they'll call out Brady and they'll come to Tua and they go, and Tua throws. Um I can empathize. I can understand that to, to a large extent. However, you know I've definitely been critical of him. I've questioned his ability to throw a deep ball. In that fourth quarter, he threw some amazing deep balls. And what was it, 467 yards, six touchdowns, one off the NFL record? I mean, this wasn't just a performance. This was, okay, he had two picks in there as well. We must acknowledge that. But this was one of the greatest performances in the entire franchise history of the Miami Dolphins. And considering they had Dan Marino for 18-odd years, uh, that is exalted company to be in so enjoy it dolphins fans enjoy it, anyone who is supported to it during this time and let's see what the rest of the season holds it's certainly going to be fun next week as you say
0: really looking forward to that game i'm sure that'll be on tv next week if you don't know what i'm talking about the bills are playing the dolphins at six o'clock on sunday so can we all light a metaphoric candle or do whatever you do to pray in any certain religion just everyone pray to that, that games on tv on sunday <clears throat> um, Mike McDaniel, to uh, the confidence that he has now. Like I, I thought he would completely combust on the last play yesterday before they got the final touchdown, and he, he proved everyone wrong. That that offense wasn't just amazing; it was fun to watch. And the fact was, it four point nine yards of separation for uh, Tyreek Hill. <laughs> how can you cover Hill and Waddle and never mind Gesicki you can't that could be a huge X factor for them down the stretch if they can, can keep them healthy but more so if they can keep them fit so we will see what happens Um and look very very good time for Dolphins fans I would go as far as saying because I don't think the Ravens are getting as much love today they shouldn't because they you know completely bottled the lead but there still are many many positives there that I'm sure we'll talk about throughout the season and uh, Lamar Jackson looks incredible he can be a franchise quarterback an MVP type performance yesterday even though at the other the back in the field had an incredible performance and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do down the stretch and um, that is the end of this segment on recapping on a on a monday night for a sunday week two of the nfl season uh, do stick along if you're listening live and if you're on the podcast network you can check out the other segments where you get your podcasts okay the next game we're going to talk about is the arizona cardinals going up against the las vegas raiders and um, the raiders defeated in overtime and I, I'll I'll give my piece in a few minutes Raiders sitting 0-2 column at the bottom of the AFC West granted they started the season against Justin Herbert and that unbelievable uh, hybrid offence and, and you know some of the defence getting to Derek Carr last week and so far it looked like something from a movie at one point but uh, they've had a difficult start but you know they had it <laughs> they had a lead yesterday and, and they couldn't get it over the line are you concerned about their progress in the AFC West this season especially now that they have to play Kansas City twice they'll play Denver as well I mean it's going to be a very very big few weeks for um Josh McDaniels and this Raiders team that are trying to get their first win in week Three.
1: yeah it's going to be a real test of Josh McDaniels the the coach and I Stephen O'Rourke had uh tweeted at halftime yesterday saying he was a little bit worried, you know, even though they were so far ahead. And I said, ah, no, it's, uh, you, you'll be, you'll be fine. And, um, you know, if there's a team you want to be points up on, it's the the carrots. And wow, was I made to eat my words because Kyler kind of turned the, the narrative, which has always been that, you know, he doesn't respond when, when, he's, in, when he's in a hole. But in fairness to him, it, like that was, that, Win was his yesterday, much more so than Cliff Kingsbury or or anybody else. And uh, I am sure um, Brian and Mark will will likely get into it. But for the me for the Raiders, the the concern is is around um, Devonta Adams, right? I had talked about how his grandparents were coming into town, and he was so excited for for this. He had two receptions for twelve yards. Right? We were told all offseason that this was it. They the they, they were, knew each other from college. It was going to be instantaneous and this was going to be fantastic. That would be the, the concern. If um if you're Josh McDaniels and um look at looking at this, they need to get Derek Carr and his best wide receiver on the same page, ASAP.
0: Brian, the Cardinals have come under a lot of uh What's the word? Kyler Murray's come under a lot of uh, sure. crap over the last few weeks, controversy. He was unbelievable last night, especially towards the end of the yeah, game.
2: Yeah, he completely, like the Raiders' defense was on their, on their knees. They were so tired. He, he essentially tired him out. And when he's continuously running like that, you know, it's very difficult to, to manage him when he's in that kind of form. And when he's healthy and he's that's a roadrunner, as I like to call him, he... You know, it's very difficult. Um, I just want to jump back to the Devontae Adams because He was only targeted seven times as well in the game. But they did double cover him. They, they double covered him for the entirety of the game. Green Bay, were, he was double covered in Green Bay, but they found ways to get him the ball and get into the end zone and, and make explosive plays. So they're going to have to figure that out. If you look at the numbers throughout the course of the, the other players, uh, Monroe and Renfro, they were about 67 So Essentially, they just moved away from Adams because it wasn't going to work. But they're going to have to figure that out. They, had tw- they were 20-0 up at halftime. They scored three points in the second half. They didn't convert one tour down in the entirety of the second half. They literally did couldn't move the ball for the entirety of second half. I mean, one touchdown probably would have killed the game off and they couldn't find it. And they, let, they left the cards hanging around. I know 20 you nil know, it sounds comfortable, but they were still hanging around, still had them opportunities to get back in. And then Hunter Renfro, who had six uh, fumbles in the entirety of last season, he's had three in a week. So he needs to correct that issue because, that, you know, after the, and it was a strange play call because he, he fumbled the one before that and he got away and they went straight back to him and he, his head wasn't right he, he fumbles again. And Simmons punched the ball out. So It's a great rallying win for the Cardinals for a team that's 20 nil down. And we've said last week they looked like they were going in the wrong direction. On Friday or last Monday, I think we suggested that they might end up 0-4, 0-5 the way they were going. But they've got off the slide very quickly.
0: Similar performance uh, in terms of passing, Mark, that Kyler Murray had to Mac Jones yesterday. Stats-wise, both had a touchdown. One touchdown, one interception and very similar completion rate.
3: Yeah, slightly different, I would say, in terms of impact, dynamism, and excitement, uh, to say the least. Um, I'm just reading the numbers. Like I, I'm, well, I was yeah, delighted. Yeah, the story behind the numbers. I mean, like let's let's be fair. I mean, the Cardinals in the first half were abysmal. Their offensive line was turnstile. You have Max Crosby smiling and laughing because every play it was like you know I know Christmas shopping for the the Raiders D line and. The offense, you know, still left points on the board, but they were efficient. And yes, 20 nil up. And the same way the Rams came, they were 20-odd nil up and everything. It looked like these late frame of games are going to be a bit boring. There's going to be a few runaway victories and everything. So fair play to the cards for fixing their woes and fixing elements and obviously tightening up on defense as well at the same time against an offense that lost its way. But how much, and I think column kind of loses this, how much was that an offensive change or Cliff Klingsbury fixing that offensive line? And how much is it just Kyler Murray doing Kyler Murray things? Uh, more than a few comments from Cards fans this weekend. It's so like, do we still need that study clause? Like, I mean, does he need to study anything? Or does he just make it up freestyle? Um, the two-point conversion will live long in the memory banks as one of the great NFL plays. 21 seconds, the ball's in play for that. And in the end, it still looks like he just walks it in. Uh, just with the speed he has. Every single one of those plays was essential. If he doesn't get that two-point conversion, he do not get enough points to send it to overtime in the first instance. So it's all of those incremental plays during the fourth quarter, delivering when he had to. And yet, it could have still gone wrong. Let's remember, they got stopped on that first drive in overtime, um, but the Raiders seemed like a defeated team. Brian rightly notes, Renfro fumbled twice in a row, but in between that, was Carr almost throwing an interception directly at the defensive back? It almost looked like they was they were just trying to find the way to throw it away and implode in relation to it. So very sad for Raiders fans. Again, amazing that this comeback only ranks third on the list of comebacks that we're talking about in the show for week two. Um, just the craziness of the NFL.
0: And the the, the funny thing is, you all you lads have pretty much summed it up. I was going to talk about Hunter Renfrew and the fact there was two fumbles there the pass to Marquise Brown from Kyler Murray was stunning and I, I've been very vocal especially online about Kyler Murray like do I think he could maybe take it to the next level if they can find a way as you said Mark to play both halves and play every quarter to the standard that they did towards the end of that game yesterday they'll, they'll be in Arizona in February I have no doubt about it in my mind Um I still think Cliff Kingsbury's a completely woeful coach for this Cardinals team and time will tell whether I'm right or not but the Raiders I think are now in a position where yeah like you know the Chargers have lost the game there's massive issues and I know somebody will talk about it later on about the Broncos and their offence the Raiders are 0-2 going into week 3 of the season and you know like people had them to win the West Devante Adams lack of involvement on Sunday was staggering and I think it's going to be intriguing to see what happens over the next few weeks there and i for one can't wait to see because Derek Carr was the one that came out in the off season to say that um that no one's given them a chance and there's a lot of pressure and it's 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 going to be interesting Brian you have a
2: quick point to make i just think we we shouldn't overreact to certain teams who are 0-2 because it teams could have gone very different from many teams and not just referring to the Raiders there's other teams that are 0-2 that have lost games close games in both weeks
0: of, of course but they blew a 20 point lead like you know they were 20 to, to zero up in what the fair quarter really, like it, at home
2: they could right the wrongs next week very quickly and then obviously the narrative changed and, yeah and they could yeah. Yeah. well they so, have a difficult one yeah, next week and on it, it, home it, to the Titans and again we'll see how the, the Titans could be 0-2 going into that game depending on how tonight yeah. goes and a lot, a lot is expected of them
0: let's hope that game's on TV as well on Sunday I'm, I'm setting the bar straight here now for all these TV games uh, right uh, Bucks going up against the Saints yesterday Column, I'm i intrigued to talk about this for a start like I let these two lads talk about the game you text me at five o'clock yesterday with a video of Tom Brady walking into the stadium who's his dietitian can I have his number and uh, he didn't look bothered like he just seemed it's, there's something different about him am I losing my mind here and I don't want to ask Mark this because I'll get a biased response in, in a good way Lo, like, oh, he's fine there's, he doesn't look interested at all he does not seem the see same interested as Tom Brady that he has been uh, statistically over two games he has thrown one touchdown he hasn't been over i think 210 yards in either game and he has a hell of a test in week three going up against the green bay football packers how many touchdowns has he got two what was it's a hundred percent increase on what you were saying i thought he only had one touchdown path each, each game
2: oh, oh one per no? game sorry about Yeah, yeah yeah, one, one per one game. Per one against
0: Dallas and one against the Saints. And Lenny Fournette wasn't effective on the run yesterday at all. The Saints found a way to stop the Bucs, sort of, but then Jameis Collum turns back the clock to 2020, 2019, and throws three picks. What a game. What's going on in that division? Because you got Brady, who's out the door, out the gap, as some lads say in the South. Uh, <laughs> Baker Mayfield, who couldn't beat the Giants. Fair play to the Giants. And you've got the Falcons, who look, meh, nah, for like half, half the game and then they. Go mad and then they come back and then they don't come back and Arthur Blank's a joke, and then you got the Saints. And we don't know what's going on. That that is that 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 division at the minute is is, a, just, what's going on? Please explain to me what's going on because I need to know what's going on.
1: Well, I, 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 think it's a different thing for Tom Brady. But I've said it on the show numerous times. It's Tom Brady's universe. Like it, we saw it all yesterday with Brady. He didn't have a good game. He threw the toys out of the pram. He was fight. He started a fight. Well, Bruce Arians started the fight. Tom got got involved, and he still ends up winning. Like it, it doesn't matter. Like it, I mean, it's it's the Gary Lineker quote about you know football is a simple game, twenty two players, yeah, players chase a ball around, and the Germans always win. Yeah, football's a simple game, twenty two players chase a ball around, and Tom Brady always wins. I do think the wonder what Bruce Arians was at. Um, right? Why is he on the sideline? Why is he looking to antagonise? He he's no longer involved there, and I get it. You win a Super Bowl, and you get all sorts of um, the the club bestows all sorts of honors on you. But um, he he's he shouldn't be on the sidelines winding opposition players up, and that worked. I mean, look, the the Saints fell for it, um, but. Marshawn Lattimore gets absolutely um, flattened um, by Mike Evans, who again got sent onto the field by Bruce Harriet. But this is who the Bucs, outside of their struggles on offense, their defense was absolutely stifling. Saints didn't help themselves. Jameis is playing injured. But the Bucs are the Bucs. There's nobody in the NFC who is going to want to. Um, face the the Bucks. and whether that's the Packers or whether it's the the Rams, and whether it's on the road or not, I there's a reason I I picked the the Bucks in in the, the preview because, you just can't bet against Brady.
0: Brian, do you agree with me in any way, shape, or form? There is a difference there, surely. But like, Gollum's calm spot on. It's going to be tested on Sunday when, when Rogers pulls in the town.
2: I do agree with you, Michael. He's not playing to the level we've seen before. But he, there's a combination of things. Maybe it is. Maybe he's not back fully fit. Maybe taking that time off during, during the training camp is has impacted him he, he hasn't got all the players available to him Um, Evans hasn't helped himself he's got a suspension now he's out at the Packers game on Sunday and bearing in mind Julio Jones is, is unlikely to play Godwin's going to be out so he hasn't helped the team Um, what I would say is yeah Durrell was uncalled for but again you saw how the players reacted to anybody having a pop of Brady so it shows there that there's still the camaraderie within the camp and the team and their love for Brady is very evident. Wait, what Evans went over to the referee and says, It's Tom Brady. What did you expect me to do? You know, that's what he said to Referee as Day if you watch the you watch the pullback. I was hoping you did have the answer because it was so much going on last night, I didn't get a chance to actually figure out why was Bruce Haynes on the sideline. Colin says, Yeah, okay, he's won a Super Bowl for them. This isn't Bill Belichick with that. Mate. He's won one Super Bowl for the team. And all of a sudden he's back on the sideline. How's Todd Bowles without that to happen? He, it's his team now. He needs to move on from that situation. Doesn't make any sense. The Bucks defense struggles for a large the last season but they're a serious outfit the two games i know the cowboys were hapless last week offensively but like the saints have got a lot of players there thomas coming back a lot of it, landry landry brown and kamara was a big loss to them but the bucks defense this year could be we're also used to brady and the large the great stats and all the touchdowns maybe it's his last season will be more geared towards a team that's defensively dominated which allows him not to have the best of seasons but because we're so used to seeing him, mean so great maybe we just have to accept it's not what we're going to see this year
3: i was waiting for you to set me up michael but it's all right um, I, i've not
0: hun- i've not honest that up i mean no, let's see what happens next okay
3: Sunday. um no what i was going to say is um a couple of things i would just add to what the lads have said look one Jameis winston apparently is playing with literally broken bones in his back so credit to him in terms of toughing it through however Three inceptions in 13 minutes at the end of the fourth quarter. I mean, the the Bucks kind of feasted in many respects on his lack of mobility and and uh, and and to clearly carrying injuries in that regard. Um Lattimore's ejection is the most surreal thing in the whole piece. The only way I can justify it is because it did launch a 106-man scrum in the middle of the field, that the referees, instead of trying to interpret through who exactly threw who and pulled who at various stages, were just like Look, how did this all start? It was Evans and Lattimore again. Look, let's just eject one from either side, offset penalties and be done with it. Um, So practically, I think he's a victim of the subsequent circumstances, though, not as if he had done something as egregious as Mike Evans with a bit of a cheap shot, in fairness, from the side. Um, But yeah, Brady's not the same. I mean, he's not pulling up the stats. The Bucs offensive line was dominated by the Saints, and we've talked a little bit about the loss he's had through the interior line there, and as Brian kind of alluded to, those targets have all changed. Didn't have uh, Godwin, didn't have Jones this game, obviously lost uh, Evans, I mean, he's throwing the the touchdown to Perryman, which wouldn't necessarily be his first read in those circumstances, and the Gronk security blanket uh, isn't there anymore, so is this something that's an inevitable decline and he's going to start noodle-arming it like uh, Peyton Manning did towards his career? Maybe, or maybe it's something that just evolves as the season unvo- evolves and unfolds. The reality is Evans had to come on to protect the OAP. You know, you give up your seat for an OAP. You've also got to protect them from mouthy cornerbacks as well, apparently. And uh, we'll learn a lot more. We will learn a lot, lot more about this box next week. But for once i won't be interested to see brady versus rogers it'll be that bucks rushing defense against that packers rushing offense will be the interesting matchup for me yeah i was looking
0: at tickets for the packers there and i've seen obviously just with the game in a couple of weeks time in london and it seems like 750 dollars for a ticket so for this game and it could be rogers brady's final game together who knows maybe brady will throw a touchdown in each game and get to the NFC Championship game. That is the um, end of this segment. Uh, if you want to listen to the other segments in the podcast, please feel free to do so. I uh, really appreciate your support on the podcast, folks. Uh, thank you very, very much. Okay. Um, right, let's talk about this Detroit Lions team who I've really enjoyed watching um, in terms of their offense, Calm over the last few weeks. They, they look reignited. Ross and brown looks like an absolute star. But i'm not going to ask you about that i'm not going to talk about that i'm going to talk to you about the washington commanders carson Wentz yesterday only had one registered interception but some of the some of the quarterback play that i seen yesterday was upwards of some of the worst that i have ever seen in the league what in the hell was ron rivera thinking bringing him in and the funny thing is he probably could have done a better job than Matt Ryan did in Indianapolis yesterday. Is, 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 hold on, are the Colts a talking point in the show tonight?
2: Yeah, I think so. No. Le- oh yeah, Le- they Le- are happy, I-
0: thank God, because I can't wait to talk about that. What's going on, man, with Washington? And Carson Wentz, he's got offensive weapons in terms of the rush and the pass, but he can't throw the ball straight. I mean, we, we've, we've got a serious issue here because he fought at one point last night. He could fire the ball down the field to, I think it was Dotson who was open. And it didn't go anywhere near him. And it, the play itself was disgraceful. And then he threw the ball. I think it hit off a guy's back as well. It was a five-year-old playing Madden at one point, as Mark leaves us on the video segment of this broadcast.
1: Um. But this is, this is Carson Wentz. We talked about it when the trade happened. It seemed like they panicked a little bit in terms of, Rodgers signed the, the deal. Wilson went to the Broncos and they they had to, to do something. So they kind of went and, and got Wentz. The thing with Wentz is yeah, he... He can make great throws. There's, there's no in the middle, right? Carson Wentz is never somebody who's gonna move you methodically down the the field. He's either gonna throw these incredible bombs, or he's, uh, or through tight windows, or he's going to do what he did, Michael. Yeah, close your eyes and heave the ball downfield. Something akin to what you imagine Uncle Rico would be like if he actually had to to play a game. There, there's no. There's no fixing that. Okay, Carson Wentz has gone through a number of different teams. He's had guys who've believed in him. Uh, People may or may not have seen the interview that he did uh, back in August where the interviewer got pulled up for it. And it seemed a little unfair to me because he he was uh, respectful enough. But he kind of said, you know, what's what's going to be different here uh, with the commanders we, we've seen what you did with the the eagles we've seen what you did with the colts why is it going to be different and um Wentz didn't really have an answer to it i they will win some, some games because of the the talent that they have but carson Wentz is going to cost them uh other games and the for me uh, you know, I'll let uh, Brian and Mark talk about the, the lines. I just want to say, not only are they winning, they're
2: entertaining. Um, I, I don't think we really need to get into Carson Wentz because he's so inconsistent. Like Column's nailed there. He's either, he's either really good or really bad. There doesn't seem to be much of an in-between. Six punts in the first half and a safety. That was the entirety of their, of their first half. They couldn't move the ball. What's more disappointing for me And it was the same last week and they got a waiver last week because the Jags ended up taking field goals as opposed to touchdowns and they went for some fourth downs and they didn't make it. their defense. When we did our, I know we're going back a long time now. Last season, we all picked Washington to win the division and we were raving about that defense and how strong they were going to be. They were 32nd against the run last year. And they haven't sorted that out because Swift and Williams ran all over them yesterday. And Swift had these big plays for 20, 40 yards and he came out again. game. Williams came in, the former Packer, and he ran all over them. And they just couldn't stop it throughout the course of the game. The Lions eased off and let them come back a bit. And the minute they came back a bit, Goff just got it going again. 20 for 24, 256 yards, four touchdowns. Jared Goff going up against... Two defenses over the past week, which I again I've questioned that Eagles' defense. I'm not I'm not sure how, how really good that defense is, and the Washington defense doesn't seem to be any better, and they don't make change. Del Rio was brought back this year, and there was questions whether he'd be brought back. They're running it back with him as defensive coordinator. If there wasn't the off the field saga going on with the with the with the owner, he'd be firing people by now, but he obviously can't do that because there's so much heat on him because he's been prone to get rid of people. I read something today. He got rid of Marty Schattenheimer when they when they had an eight and eight season. And it looked like they were going in the right direction. And he just can't. He, he I imagine he wants to make change, but he can't. And I'm not sure where this team has gone. But it uh, certainly isn't all on Wentz. Let's be fair. The defense was a shambles, yesterday.
3: Yeah, I mean, Goff deserves a bit of a call-out. Like, I mean, Brian just called out his stats before touchdowns. group. We- we've been very critical of Jared Goff. I've kind of questioned what the Lions are thinking, you know, continue with him as a bridge quarterback. They're surely going to pick a quarterback high in the draft in next year's draft. But for one day at least, he came back and reminded everyone of the talent that he does have. I mean, it was a real, like, I don't know, was John Travolta going to walk in the room? It was comeback day, wasn't it? Flacco coming back and Tua coming back and Goff coming back from all the criticism they've had in the past. So... Um, that was a big part of storyline. Saint Brown is a superstar. Uh, you know, quietly finish the season if you like. If you can finish it quietly, with you know, ten catches roughly on average per game for the last eight games. Couple of touchdowns, nice yardage, and he started this year like an absolute rocket ship. So um he is one of the more exciting players but as brian said i mean they were or sorry column said they were entertaining like it was an entertainment. usually i love the lions for red zone there's going to be some failed comeback towards the end or they're going to blow a lead in the last few minutes they're, they're, they're the epitome of the 6 p.m red zone team um always a bit of fun in the witching hour kind of trying to make the improbable happen but they dominated this game it it kind of i felt strong about this beforehand that the lions would win this game as well and they proved it they won a winnable game i mean what is it when we combine all these results together i kind of think of the old great Finn scully line uh the late Vin scully said in the year of the improbable the impossible just happened um you know all of these quarterbacks playing well some of the comebacks we've seen pretty much it was the impossible week two in the nfl
0: Thanks to everybody for their comments. We will read them out at the end of the show. Really appreciate it. Do fire in loads. We'll read them all out at the end until we're here. If we're here to Monday Night Football, we will do it. Um, the Lions scored 35 points in week one, 36 points in week two. The big takeaway from week one was Deandre Swift having like over 120 yards rushing. That didn't happen yesterday and that's probably the only negative they had. But at the same time, Sim Brown had 68 yards rushing on the day. So they need to try and maybe find to get the ball to Josh Reynolds a bit more. He only had 38 yards with a touchdown. Uh, and Deandre Swift as well on the receiving. But Jared Goff had four touchdowns on Sunday and had over 250 yards passing. And quite decent completion average and the, the confidence that Dan Campbell has in this team and the way that they're playing, it's fun it's, it's good to watch and frankly I can't wait to see how Minnesota do tonight because Detroit could be a really interesting team to watch this season um, I'm just going to jump straight on to San Francisco and talk about Trey Lance Trey Lance um, huge story on Sunday and massive story, I, I, I think this is huge and I know there's a lot of Niner fans in Ireland, in the UK and Europe that Will listen to the show or, or watch this broadcast and um, I feel awful for Trey Lance, Trey Lance breaks his ankle but the thing for me Column, is the uh, is the way Jimmy Garoppolo uh, went in yesterday and just done his job and this, this, this is a man that was uh, training by himself, he wasn't deemed fit to train as a backup because he was going to be traded, nobody went in for him, Jerry Jones didn't go in for him. And now he's QB1 with his third chance, fourth chance of taking this team to a Super Bowl. He didn't win against Kansas City. He couldn't get past the NFC Championship game. But the 49ers, ironically, are in a better position now than they were. A quarterback in the short term, they're in a better position now than they were at half-eight yesterday even because they have a quarterback that they can rely on and they can actually open up the plays more because it was way too limited on the trail lines.
1: Well, they have a quarterback they, they know um, they have more certainty there. Michael Trey Lance like has he's played no football. This is the this is the thing. There's there's nothing to say about this. They kept Jimmy G. Jimmy G. comes in. We know what Jimmy G. is. Are they capable of going to the Super Bowl? Yeah. Are they capable of winning a Super Bowl? Possibly if everything goes right. Will Jimmy G. be the reason they win a Super Bowl? No. Why did they bring Trey Lance in or any quarterback? Because they didn't feel Jimmy could do it. To me, we, we know what the 49ers are. They're, they're a fantastic team. We talked about it in the season preview. They have incredible talent. Some of their best players are the most elite guys in in the league. I don't think there's a whole lot to, to discuss on the 49ers. They beat up, on a really, really bad Seahawks team. Seahawks won their Super Bowl um, on the opening week of the season. Nathaniel Hackett and the Broncos should look at that yesterday and be absolutely embarrassed. The Seahawks didn't score an offensive point. They scored off a kick off a kick six. They the 49ers beat them up in every which way. They couldn't pass the ball, they couldn't run the ball. Um, the Seahawks are in for a long, long season. The the 49ers have two. Outstanding QBs on the roster. The Seahawks don't have a single solitary uh, QB. And the Broncos in the first half last week made um, Geno Smith look like vintage Joe Montana. The 49ers defense showed the Seahawks up yesterday. Uh, Richard Sherman was chirping an awful lot in that first half. Um, even during yesterday's game um, about Russell Wilson, he stopped... Um, tweeting at all about it uh, funnily enough in the the second half I think it's going to be a long season for the Seahawks I expect the 49ers to have a very good season, I expect probably double digit wins and um, they'll go to the playoffs but ultimately I think Jimmy G will hold this team back
0: Brian, the Seahawks had uh, their leading rusher was Rashad Penny, who had 15 yards rushing on Sunday um, do you place any blame on kyle shanahan or john lynch in terms of the whole way they've handled the trail situation at all uh do you care enough because it's clear that the way that he was playing in the first two weeks albeit you can't really count the first week of the Weber situation but even in the preseason and in terms of what we've seen last season it was very structured and quite sort of it wasn't as open as what they have now and columns right they probably will get over 10 wins
2: well, this is the problem when you try to turn a quarterback into a running quarterback as well. When well, I want to say turn him into a running quarterback, he's got the attributes to be a running quarterback. The likes of Lamar and Josh Allen. But, like Lamar got injured last year. In and Unfortunately, he gets injured on, on a run play. That's why I'm kind of hesitant about how I feel about quarterbacks who are, whilst it's great, you run the risk of losing your quarterback in the long term, and that's essentially sense what's happened. I think it's it, it makes things even more difficult. Like, we spoke last week about this 49ers team. The difficulty, and I said it last week, is... Most times when teams take a quarterback in the draft at the top end, it's because they're rebuilding. They're not rebuilding. They're a team that feels they can go to the Super Bowl. You see the reaction of some of the players after the game with Jimmy G. By all accounts, the locker room was really energised after the game, a lot more so than what they saw in training camp. And for a guy that had little reps, you, you touched on it, you know, during the training camp, he was doing very little. He would have had very little reps this week for him to be able to go in there. And by all accounts, Shanahan. Had to basically tell someone to get me the Seattle uh, playbook from last year's game because essentially he couldn't use it. The play, the playbook, which was in front of him, because it was all geared towards Trey Lance. You, Seattle's offense, you're, you're correct, was was dreadful. They only had 14 forced downs in the entirety of the game. But I don't think it's all doom and gloom for Seattle the way the way uh, Collins is alluding to because they'll win next week against Atlanta and they'll be two and one. And the reality is um, they're they're a team not going in the right direction. Chances are winning a division or being pets in the division, but. B. Carl will still find a way to get wins but it, when you come up against a defence as dominant as Sam Brown we spoke about it in our NFC West preview that this arguably is one of the best defences in the league and the only built on that in the draft is they're going to come up against defences that can shut them down very quickly
0: i look really looking forward to that preview on, on Sunday uh, or sorry on Friday can we, like, I know we're going to go through every game this week in detail so I, I look forward to hearing that does anyone know where that game and that, is, is it in Atlanta, in Atlanta or in Atlanta. Seattle? Yeah nice I, I look forward to that um i i picked the seahawks this week because i thought the trey lance would struggle against the, against the seahawks and jesus i mean he did struggle he broke his ankle he's out for these he's out for the season i mean i i actually was gutted for him last night whenever i heard about it it was it's it's awful it's it's something that you don't want anyone to go through especially for him because he's now going into 2023 and he's only played a handful of games and you have to ask where does that put him in the in the long run mark i have taken over your segment here so i'll very quickly shut up and put it to you but um my, my bad i, I feel okay. really bad i don't really it's too no, late at night no, to no care but i mean... will say this very quickly mark uh the defense for the niners look fantastic albeit against a lackluster seattle side and it does make you wonder uh why pump them up for for one game and then and then go in like that it's it's strange but uh disappointing for trey lance but the the the, the jimmy train moves on and i would say kyle shanahan was uh when cal shanahan said monday mark that he anybody is open to trades in 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 this team anyone at all (laughs) and look at him now
3: i I have to laugh i'm sorry i have to laugh at that i guarantee you won't be trading jimmy g now uh that's for sure um but they, they need a backup quarterback pretty quickly um it's actually notable for me michael i just wanted to call out as well we had some great videos from people in or photos from people attending games in the us over the weekend we'd love receiving them in steven i think took a, a shot of the Orleans pre-game and sent it to us and christina and richie were over at the patriot steelers game and things like that i actually had through work a number of friends who are seattle fans in santa clara and they were messaging me saying we're feeling really up for this game yeah the messages kind of stopped very quickly uh after the game started it, it was a pretty clear um, situation that they were outmatched by the 49ers, especially on defense, as you rightly call out. But the quarterback situation is fascinating in San Fran when you consider the four out of the six seasons that Lynch and Shannon have been there, they've actually lost their starting quarterback to injury. Uh, there was Brian Hoyer one year, so you could argue that was always an improvement, but it's actually been Jimmy G in three other years. I mean, the one decent year they probably got a health, they went to the Super Bowl. So they are used to dealing with this scenario, and it's remarkable now, obviously, that Jimmy's the pitch, uh, the the backup, he's the pinch hitter kind of coming in in this regard. And he is a known quantity though. At least you know what you're going to get with him. Okay, through, what was it, 150-odd yards, three small completion percentage, one touchdown, didn't make any big mistakes. That's what you want from him almost. Like, don't make any big mistakes. Make the throw on third down if we need to. Stay consistent. We're going to have to rely upon our defense, and we're going to have to rely upon our run game. But Trey Lance, fascinatingly, is still going to be an enigma next season. And when you get in the season, potentially after that, um, the column alluded to in North Dakota State, he only had one year of college football. He will only have had four games as a starter in the NFL. And then it's all about, well, did he recover from the injury? Has he enough time to develop? How long does he need to develop? Um, and that's going to be a fascinating scenario for them to consider. The only other quarterback I can think of that's kind of going in or going into a starter job with such little understanding of how he's going to perform was Jimmy G himself. He only had two and a half games as a starter before he came over to San Francisco, and there was almost this two or three years of wondering, oh, well, is he going to develop? Is he going to come on along? But Trey Lance, if I can quote Winston Churchill on Russia, will continue to be an enigma wrapped in a mystery surrounded, a riddle wrapped in a mystery surrounded by an enigma. An enigma. Um, I
0: am devastated for Trey Lance because we all know why he may never play a down in this league ever again he might not I hope he does that's a discussion point for uh, maybe an offseason show I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll have plenty of months to talk about that because there actually is football at the minute uh, the one thing I will say and we'll, we'll stop the segment is uh, the Seattle Seahawks offense went as slow as the Bart from Santa Clara to Union Square there we go Uh, thanks so much for listening to this segment folks you can catch out our final segment on our podcast please do uh, like on Spotify or give us a review on Apple Podcasts it literally makes my week that's how sad my life is at the minute but in in all seriousness we we all really appreciate it what in the hell is going on in the NFC East the New York Giants are 2-0 the Washington Commanders I mean Move them to London or move them to Pyongyang for all I care at the minute. And the Dallas Cowboys' column won a game against the Cincinnati Bengals, who now, as well as certain teams, are owing to a Cooper Rusher quarterback. And for me, that's not even the main story here. The main story is Zach Taylor and another week of incredible decision making, an offensive line that everyone said in the off season that they needed to improve on. It looks exactly the same. People have this. Have people got the Bengals worked out, column? Because it seems that they've caught they've caught their number at the minute. To be honest with
1: you, yeah, and a lot of that comes down to Zach Taylor. I, I look, Brian had said it on uh, the Friday show that this had the feel of kind of the Broncos going into the, the Cowboys last year, and nobody gave the the Broncos a prayer, and obviously look what happened. But we all kind of felt that the Bengals. Would have would have enough that even if it was tight they, they'd have enough. But it it all uh, went went very wrong. Micah Parsons, um, I said on Friday's show they should just play him as a pass rusher, and I think that's what they have gone with. It. He can wreck and take over games. But yeah, when you see Burrow screaming at Zach Taylor, no more empty. Um, that that tells you the the Bengals have, I suppose. Brought out exactly the same playbook. And we talked earlier about Mike McDaniel, right? What Mike McDaniel is doing. We the fact that the, the Ravens are being so creative. We know McVeigh is. We know Shanahan is. We know teams are, are trying to do um, different different things. And yet the Bengals keep rolling out the, the same thing over and over again. And teams had time during the offseason and over the summer months. To look at the tape to figure out what the the tells are now can the bengals respond to the the response that is the the big question there but it's going to need a lot more from um zach taylor and yeah right now i suppose the the line doesn't look an improvement but i think that um they 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 are being helped by the play calling and joe burrow cannot continue to take he has to learn to throw the ball away at times he has been sacked 13 times in two games that that is not sustainable long term um he's a brilliant qb but he won't be around for a long time if he's going to continue to take that level of punishment
2: another six sacks yesterday um as colin's i said and then seven last week so like 13 two games it's, it's terrible but they couldn't get the run game going either Nick, you know um they couldn't get the ball to chase they're relying on chase to get a, a big play um you know a kind of explosive play. they put them down they couldn't really move the ball over the course of the first half and they got going in the second half um slipping on the cowboys like again nobody gave them a prayer you know the expectations were was that the season is over we've had all that kind of people fe- feeling interested during the week that they just felt the season was gone already and jerry jones needs to make a trade he's not going to do it because it'll allow him to walk away from this head coach so for him to come out and he, in fairness they've been saying all week in the you know and you're kind of just take it as a given that's just saying because they have to say it. But they said cooper rush knows the offense why would we make a trade and start having to get some you know lined up and understand exactly what we want down he knows the offense he did it last year oh well it's, it wasn't great for all the games he did it in minnesota and he had a really efficient game and on the last drive when the game looked like potentially you could get away from them, he had four first downs and let them down for the field goal so it's, it is it is what i felt it would be like i did pick the Bengals, but in the back of my head i always had a feeling it was something similar to what we saw last year when no one gave the broncos apparently went in there and the cowboys are where last week the season was over them they one and one, morning you know rock going into next monday's game against the giants with a lot to play for
3: um frank pollock is the person who we should hold accountable for some of this frank pollock is the offensive line coach for the cincinnati bengals he's been an offensive line coach for about 15 years in the nfl he was a former player he actually won the super bowl with the 49ers um played the garden tackle but i tell you what joe burrow came off and he was saying something similar to pollock about the game plan but it might have been a slight derivation thereof um basically, they've got to fix it. They've had they've had invested so much in it to protect Burrow. But what I really don't understand, and yes, some of it is reflective of the inconsistent line play, but the Bengals have come out now twice in a row, and it's almost been a lackadaisical approach. I don't see the urgency on the offense. I don't see the urgency from the play necessarily. And they sleepwalk through about a half, maybe three quarters, start to you know, figure out their right game plan and protecting Burrow long enough to get some passes off, come roaring back into the game and just leave enough time to mess it all up as they did against the Steelers last week and the Cowboys this week. Um, hopefully that isn't a pattern for the rest of their season for all the Bengals fans out there. They obviously had such a lack of success over the years. Obviously, you would hoping they build on last year for their point of view rather than retreat therefrom um But... Really, the story should be, and we focus on the Bengals because we talked about how many times poor Joe Burrow is getting knocked down, but the story should be about the Cowboys. Cooper Rush did what he needed to do. Micah Parsons, this week, they just gave up any pretense that he is anything other than an edge rusher and allowed him to wreak havoc from the edge position on the Bengals' offensive line in particular. And that defense came to play, uh, and they definitely keep the, the Cowboys in it. I mean, there is a question now. It's like, well, depending on when Prescott gets back... Looking at the Zip Cowboy schedule, can they remain sufficiently close and sufficiently in the race uh, in the NFC East? So uh, we'll obviously see how that develops, but for one week at least it was good enough – Fair play to the Cowboys. Congratulations, and Bengals, sort your stuff
2: out. The Cowboys fans have been crying out for for early last week, and they were crying out towards the back end of last season. See more of Pollard as opposed to seeing Zeke Elliott all the time. And yesterday, they, they were really efficient in using Pollard in the run game, and obviously getting outside on the perimeter and getting taking receptions in. He's a really dynamic player, and they, they really need to use on him use him more.
0: Did anybody talk about Noah Bryan?
2: No, because I've been. No, we left that for you, Michael. Noah
0: Brown thank you because I would have killed you if you had said that there I actually would have I, I genuinely think I would have left this stream uh, yeah entered the league in 2017 got his first touchdown yesterday if you would said two weeks ago Cooper Rush was going to throw a ball to Noah Brown <laughs> I did not see this coming 20-17 over the Bengals and what is the NFC East and you're damn right about Tony Pollard Tony Pollard is the best running back hybrid wide receiver in Dallas by country mile Ezekiel Elliott is I don't want to say the word because I don't want to annoy certain people on certain chats. But um, I'm intrigued to see what they can do, like in terms of the Cowboys. Can Cooper Rush take them for a few weeks and have a bit of crack? That division is interesting. What's going to happen with the Eagles? Are the Eagles going to run away with this division? Are they not? That's going to be the uh, that's going to be the talking point over the next few weeks for me. Uh, let's slide into our last segment. Uh, our last. Uh, sort of major discussion from, from week one because your boy has to work Monday Night Football. and know it's awful, lads. It's, it's, it's so, so depressing. It's not. Uh, we had the GM column of the Indianapolis Colts on the show and it was an honour to have him on and I would love to have him on again. Can we just publicly point out that the Colts are a top-class organisation, fantastic to work with and deal with. The hell's going on with that Colts team, sir? <laughs> I mean we can sit here now and we can talk about injuries and we can talk about Hines and Pittman being out (laughs) Oh, oh, oh well they can't blame Carson Wentz anymore can they Colin what the hell is going on in Indianapolis seriously like like this is if I was a Titans fan I'd be I'd be a happy man right now no matter if they win or lose tonight because that division as it stands is trash sorry
1: well, if I was a Jags fan, I'd be even happier um, because they they are could could be in in the mix for it. Uh, look, the the Colts hate traveling to the Sunshine State, and they you know they I, I I talked about it on Friday the the streak in terms of the inability to win a season opener, and now the inability to win away in Jacksonville. They got beaten every which way yesterday trevor lawrence had possibly um his be- best game in uh, a jags uniform certainly one of his best games uh, the jags i mean look we all and i think the certainly the entirety of the internet gave the jags a lot of grief for the money they gave to christian kirk but if they're going to you know use him as the entire the focal point for the offense. And they did some really interesting things with him yesterday again, letting him up in the, the backfield, using him not just from the slot, but all sorts of different ways. Um, it makes it a lot more justifiable that if he continues to play like he is, well, the the Jags aren't gonna care because um, he is playing really well through the, the first two weeks and helping out their young QB. Um, obviously, we still need to see more from Lawrence. But given the situation that he found himself in last year and the situation, you know, he now has, it's night and day. You can see the change. You can see the change in the the team. It would be good for the league, right, if the Jags could be competitive. Right. They were the the butt of the joke for so long. It was a bit like the the Browns. And you'd never want to see a fan base. Look, everyone, there's peaks and troughs, um, but you never want to see the the trough go on and on and on. So um, I I think, yeah, it's good to see for the Jags. In terms of the Colts, Frank Reich's seat has got to be getting a little bit warm. and, Mm. And Jim Irsay made his feelings known at the end of last year. I can't imagine he's too happy tonight.
2: We spoke on Friday about the two head coaches. One was the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles and Frank Reich was the offensive coordinator at the time when the Eagles won the Super Bowl and he certainly got the number of them yesterday. The Colts' offensive line for the last couple of years has been, regarded as one of the best in the league, if not the best in the league, and they've, they've handed out nice contracts to players on the back of that. But from what we see in the first two games, they just haven't got it together. And like we saw with Matt Ryan, Mark touched on it during, during the season preview, how... how uh, Difficulties had it in Atlanta. You know, there was no offensive line for him. He was knocked down so many times. And, and right now, we, we, it's nothing different than what he's seen. He, he's not getting any time to get the ball out. And the arm players, but Taylor's not been efficient in the run game over the course of the two games. You, you were talking about teams getting figured out. Has the Colts' offense got figured out? Because if they can't, can't run the ball and the quarterback can't get time to get the ball out, they are going to struggle the Jags is a great story we, we said it in the off season we felt that they would have a strong season we picked most of us picked them last week we, they should have won that game in Washington last week and I think me and Colin picked them this week so the, you're saying about them being competitive they were competitive last week it was a blowout this week and now next week they go and play the Chargers so let's see what level they're at come that game when they go out to South next Sunday
0: uh, Washington were good value last week and I picked them so I'm going to hold to that Colin picked the Jags to be fair to Colin Mark, Matt picked, Ryan um, looks like a lad. that.
2: I think yes, he picked the Jaguars yesterday, so so
0: didn't so. he? I know he did. And there was a whole thing about the... Uh... <laughs> hold on. Hold on. For people on this podcast, who is making that noise? Are you, are, you that, are, you, are you that excited to talk about the Jaguars here, Mark? Or what's the crack? Mark, Matt Ryan I'm, I'm, has got you all fired up.
3: Well, I don't know I don't know if I'm excited to talk about the Jaguars. I must admit, being a big fan of Colt's acquisition of Matt Ryan and thinking of the upgrade he would represent over Carson Wentz. I found myself watching that game a little bit and waiting for the voiceover to come on. And the voiceover was going to tell me, do not adjust your set. We control the transmission. We control the horizontal. We control the vertical because you've now entered the twilight zone. But that's what seems to happen to the Colts every time they go to Florida. I mean, the Jacks record against them at home now is eight and zero in the last eight appearances. I mean, it's, it's, it's bizarre. It's utterly and completely bizarre. Um, But the line, and I'll just give you one line on this, Michael, because I think the guys have kind of summed it up very well. All credit to the Jags and, you know, very disappointed on the part of the Colts. The one line I saw during the rounds, which I wish I could give credit to who came up with it first, but I honestly don't know, was that the Colts are out there playing like there's a playoff spot on the line. (laughs) And that, given how they performed last year, was pretty perfect, I think. Yeah and then you watch Miami who you're
0: probably going for a wild card and like I mean they couldn't list two his boots at the minute. I feel for Matt Ryan, all I'm going to say because I know we're going to quick fire here, I feel for Matt Ryan because I feel like he deserves a chance to play in a in a, a team that can go down the stretch. He He's taking a step back and we'll talk about that more next week as far as I'm concerned. Quick fire, column. you're going to talk about the Broncos in 17 and a half seconds. Go.
1: Uh, farcical, uh, you know. First, first is uh, tragedy, then then is farce. Uh, they won the game, Colin. They did, yeah. And um, uh, the the least convincing win probably yesterday. Uh, they they beat a, a Texans team who really couldn't get a, couldn't if if. There had been anybody else. It comes down to Lovey Smith and a crazy decision from Lovey Smith to turn down a penalty, which allowed the Broncos for a fourth and two. If people haven't seen it, the Denver crowd um, acted as a human play clock uh, because they they needed to let them know the Broncos didn't have a punt returner on on a punt. The Broncos uh, decided they were going to. Um, Give it to a fullback on a third and one. Then that didn't obviously work, got blown up. Then they were brought on the field goal unit, but that took too long. Got a delay of game, had to punt the ball away. It was a shambles, Michael. So, yes, they did win. Delighted that they got the win. But um, it's, I mean, the the Broncos have the most penalties in the entirety of, of the NFL. And through up until the fourth quarter yesterday, they actually had more penalties through the first seven quarters of the season than points. 23 penalties at that point and they had 22 points scored. Um, The Broncos have a long, long way to go if they're to challenge the Chargers and the Chiefs.
0: Brian, you're going to talk to us about the Patriots and they really shut me up yesterday. Mac Jones had a had a more, uh, I guess, a, a more improved day. I'm not talking about the Patriots. And, um, that's, that's the one. Yeah. I think we should switch this up. We, we should all talk about different teams, but yes, go on ahead and talk about your 2-0 Giants in under 30 seconds, please.
2: Well, it's just... it's. Early in the in the, the process, as they say, well, I, what can you recommend? What Brian Dable has done. I mean, the players he has at it, disposal, and in particular on the defence. I mean, there's a lot of players there that are not. We'll say they're playing above. They're playing above their pay level shall we say? Or their, and what what they're putting out there. There's one player going into the game yesterday. And he summed up the defense perfectly. He was—he broke his collarbone in, the, in within three days of training camp. He was a rookie, fourth-round pick, Dane Belton, and they were going on about him saying he's a fantastic talent, but no one's seen anything of him. And he made his debut yesterday. He recovers the opening the opening kickoff, a fumble. He then has um, the, the tackle on the second kickoff, and then he nearly intercepts Baker Mayfield, and he had an absolutely standout game. But this is what he's got. Wink Martin Dennis, you know, he's got a set of players there that aren't over the extravagant and not murky players in the league but they're all playing together and that's all you ask you know you have a head coach and coaching staff that are getting the best out players and you know you're, if you're doing that you have half a battle where we hack it I don't think that's the case players don't seem to know what their jobs are over there in particular on the offense
0: Mark uh, improved there for Mac Jones albeit Michel Jabisky is
3: dirt well I mean Jesus he's just Patriots games are not going to be easy to watch during the season. I mean, that wasn't easy no, to I'm listen to. I don't know what that was, myth. I'm not editing that. <laughs> oh, sorry. Steelers Steelers games aren't going to be easy to, uh, to watch or listen to either. Um, Steelers' offense is literally non-existent. I picked the Pats to win this game because I actually believe that the Pats' defense would perform better against the Steelers' offense more than anything else. Um, look, it wasn't a pretty game but by any manner of means. Uh, lucky, probably touchdown in one respect. The most impressive piece of the Patriots game was uh, driving it to seal out the game. As we saw, they they held onto the ball for the last six minutes, 33 of the, the clock. And as we saw all weekend, um, it's a few teams that would like to be able to close out games and seal the deal. So that was the impressive piece from that perspective. Two very quick things, though, just Michael. Kenny Golladay being missing, kind of an interesting sign in terms of how Brian Dayball is going to run that dressing room and say, you shape it, shape, shape up or ship out, uh, seems to be the message there. And secondly, and I have to say this purely because you called out the brands fans earlier on, I actually thought the behaviour of the Denver fans this weekend was appalling. I mean, you haven't even had the first half of the first game of the season home game, and you're booing this new regime. You're doing the play clock, which the first time – I've ever seen that in any NFL game ever in history. It was actually the entitlement and the actual kind of behavior I just thought was appalling, to be really blunt with you. So I just want to call that out. I just thought it was pathetic, but... You know, they're one and one. They're doing well and they'll come back and maybe they'll forgive Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson someday. Can we we give Um, Mark another 30 seconds just so he can complain
1: about the entitlement that Thomas uh, Brady showed uh, as well in terms of levels of entitlement?
0: All right. Um, I agree with what he said about the fans. Fully. Embarrassing. Actually, I turned it off uh sunday night football the bears against the packers sweet jesus you know i'm fortunate now that i can sit up to four in the morning and watch games and the first two games of this season my god of almighty i hope tonight's better and that's all i'm gonna say i have nothing else to say about that the bears are trash absolute dirt and i'm sorry lads and i know there's bears fans in ireland prove me wrong you lads are picking in the top three next year the packers yeah, Randall Cobb was fired up. I mean, what year is it with Sammy Watkins? Let's see what they're like against Tampa Bay next week. Can't wait. It's going to be a classic. Uh, Monday Night Football, we're going to read out your comments in a second. Monday Night Football tonight, there's two games. And I personally think there should be two games every week. Let's have two games every week because both games are on TV in Ireland and the UK at the same time. Incredible. Column, who you got? Vikings, Eagles. Hell of a game, man.
1: Yeah, it should be a, a, a great game. Uh, I think that obviously look the Vikings and Justin Jefferson and what they did last week Kevin O'Connell's another kind of offensive genius who's put him in motion and all this sorts of stuff I just think that on the big emotional win over the Packers and they really dominated that game I I think when it comes to to week two you know being at home is um advantageous uh, Usually, and especially coming off kind of the emotional uh, side of things, I, I like, obviously, um, this Eagles side, given uh, my uh, season preview prediction. And I just think that they have different ways to win. Um, so AJ Brown come in in that first game and allowed them to kind of actually throw to the middle of the field. And for that reason, I think that in a very tight game,
2: the Eagles, the Eagles are going to win this one. Which defense do I trust more to win the game? since where, where I'm at with this one, because um, the Eagles were 4-4 four, four four in the red zone last week in terms of giving the Lions four touchdowns when they got down there, and they're going up against what we believe is so much more. Um, explosive offense with the Vikings and everybody for the last few weeks was lauding Cousins. He's going to be the answer this year and he's, he's going to have a new head coach and he's going to be fresh and he's not going to be playing under the Zimmer umbrella anymore and it's not going to be any difficulty. I still have my concerns about that but we did see last week they played well and Jefferson was off was off to a great start this season. Um, if Horst gets outside the pocket which an empty will you know he's going to run for large parts and you know, I think he looked at his numbers last week like they were staggering they were running back numbers getting out in the room but I think at some stage, the Vikings will figure that out and then <clears throat> ultimately I think it'll come down to which offence will find a way to get it done and which defence can stop them more so than, than the offence and I don't trust that Eagles defence and I'm a ticker to secondary with Jefferson there and Thielen and other players, I think. And Cook didn't really have a game last week so I imagine he will have a bit of a breakout game tonight and going with the Vikings.
3: Uh, Justin Jefferson should be playing for the Eagles tonight. It's a draft day decision. They still got wrong back then, still continues to haunt them, still means why they've had to make massive changes, obviously, even during even this off season, uh to upgrade their wide receiver position. But picking Jaden Rieger over Justin Jefferson is one of those decisions that keeps on coming back to haunt them. Um, Random stat of the week, Kirk Cousins is actually 2-0 versus Philly during his uh, time as a Viking. So who knows? Maybe that's... Uh, is a stat that continues on. I honestly think this is a razor edge. Um, After one week, I don't really feel that we have enough to fully assess how these two teams are going to play. Both of them should, and I think will, be in the mix in terms of the playoffs, in terms of wild cards, or indeed division titles. Uh, For the Vikings, it's a big, big game. You know, they've got that opportunity after starting with great momentum, beating the Packers in the divisional game. They need to keep that momentum flowing. Um, To me... I trust Kirk Cousins slightly more than I trust Jalen Hurts is the delineation I draw it on. So for that reasons, I'm going with the Vikings uh, for tonight's game. Cheers, Mark. You texted no, me I'm on not, Thursday saying you are picking the Eagles. Oh, there you go. That shows how tight it is, Michael. I thought I picked the Vikings. But, All right. Okay, yeah, and you're picking the Vikings. That's fine. I'm changing it to the Vikings. I'm going with the
0: Vikings now. Uh, I'm go. not concerned about the whole situation with the Eagles letting in 35 points last week because the Detroit Lions offense is really really good tonight is a night that Jalen Hurst and Miles Sanders runs all over this Vikings team in a game that's going to hit the over easily I think it'll be a shootout and I think the Vikings will lose by a field goal in a great Monday night game I'm looking forward to this game massively and I'll be watching this game over anything else Uh, okay before we let our last um, game uh, we're delighted to partner with leading US sports betting providers PointsBet for the 2022 NFL season. And um, Before you think you're going to get bombarded with free bets to sign up, you aren't folks. Uh, PointsBet are US-facing and are a really exciting employer of tech talent in Ireland. They've got uh, Their main office in Europe is in the city centre in Dublin, in Dublin's Liberties. Uh, key members of the team will join us throughout the season. You've probably seen an interview we had last week or the week before uh, to explain how NFL betting really works and plus what's hot and what's not on the weekend markets. And we're excited, folks, over the course of the season to learn more about the technology and maths behind PointsBet being the home of live betting in the US. To see what roles are open in the PointsBet Europe office in Dublin, just search online PointsBet Dublin or you can email or check out on LinkedIn dublin at pointsbet.com. Uh, in terms of betting, different podcasts during the week, the over is printing money on this game because the Vikings and the Eagles are going to score. This game, though. Oh, Jesus. Titans against the Bills column. Who have you got, Mip?
1: I think this will be a really close game. And that was even before we got the news that Gabe Davis is out. If this game was in Tennessee, I would be going with the Titans because I think my variable teams tend to bounce back. But... The Bills are special, Josh Allen is special, and the fact that it is in Buffalo leads me to believe that the Bills will find a way to win, but it will be squeaky bum time.
2: Yeah, I think this will be, I, I'm a columnist, so I think it will be a lot than people than people uh, expect um, not to get too into a betting American on it, but like it's minus ten like for the Bills. I think that's quite quite large and there, covering that number. The potential that's on the back of a really strong win in, in LA last week. But the Titans and Bray will have a way of kind of saw last year when when everybody expected the Bills to go in Tennessee on the Monday night game and beat them and um if it wasn't for Josh Allen slip at the end they would, but the Titans managed to grind that out. The Titans have a knack of just pulling off these results and I, I could see them running them close, but I think in the end, despite the fact that Cape Davis is out the Bills still have too many explosive players. And Josh Allen himself will probably be running all night long. So it'd be interesting to see how the Titans react to the, dif- the difficult defeat of the Giants last week. But in the end, I see the Pills just about f- finding the way to win.
3: I don't see just about at all. I don't think the uh, Titans are as good as they were last year. I think we saw that already. And I don't think they're going to be very good tonight. Uh, consider the last three games the Titans have played when we consider week one last season. They've been outscored 65 64 by the Texans, Bengals, and Giants. Shout out to Peter King for that one, but I particularly like that statistic and I think it indicates a direction of travel. Uh, The direction of travel for the Buffalo Bills is up, the direction of travel for the Tennessee Titans is down, and I will happily take any point spread you like on this one uh, in favoring the Buffalo Bills to walk it. No, Gabriel Davis, no problem.
0: This game will be over by the half. The Bills are going to win this game by minimum fourteen points tonight, lads. Uh, let's go for comments. There's over a hundred comments in here tonight. That's why I kept that one very short and very sweet. But I do believe, did someone say Curly Whirly from Fred? I don't know what that means. Uh, Curly Whirly is a chocolate bar. In case you're in America, you know, know what we're talking I Fred about. I
2: a, a packet of Curly Whirly chocolate bars.
0: How much is that in the South Like seven euro. <sighs> For one, I'll I I just
2: get them on tap here. Michael, I don't...
0: I'll, I'll yeah, no, fire no, one I, down. I'll uh, Keith...
2: here ready for Fred because that was the bet yesterday. I bet him a pack of Corley Warlords on the Cowboys. Bangles oh. game.
0: Okay. Keith's very happy, man. We'll we'll get through some of Keith's comments in a bit because I know there's been a lot. Um, Owen saying that the Niners and the Broncos won this week. I'm here on behalf of Robert Sala, collecting receipts, Irish Jets fans, yeah, our, Irish Jets fans are not happy with me anyway, let's just put it that way, I got DMs last night, he's never heard of Beefy, I don't know what That's that is, Ian Botham's nickname I don't know who Michael. that is, Botham,
3: I don't know the world's greatest all rounders us, just, just go all around what does ahead. he
0: go around the world or what, like, what are you talking about, I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about, anyway, right, let, let, let's, uh, let's keep going here, um, oh, nice comment, Brian looks very happy, he always does, to be honest with you. Um Brown's supposed to have an elite secondary. Brown's missing Clowney and Winkovich, but Garish should have been more than enough to get the statue. That is Joe Flacco. Fair play to the Jets, though. To, sorry, Stephen, if you didn't like my Brown's comments, it obviously wasn't aimed at you, it was aimed at certain Brown's fans. Well well well, sorry. Well done. Well done, Colin, for picking the Finns. Um maybe you could ask if Joiner can be sent into space. Interesting. Um They love their Hallians up there. I mean, Matt Patricia. Interesting. Going to keep going through all these. Brady must want Arians there I don't know, Mr McNutty. Let's see what happens over the next few weeks. People on the podcast are going, what is going on here? James Walsh. What do you think will happen when the Niners, after Trey Lance's injury, I think, James, that they'll make the NFC Wild Card and they'll probably get to the NFC Championship game and lose to
1: the Rams.
3: Again. Uh, I still have the 49ers as my pick for the Super Bowl, if you remember, on the NFC side. And screw it, I'm going to stay with it.
1: Michael, I think there's a a huge number of comments and we want to thank everyone for um, making those comments and uh, some great kind of back and forth between people uh, over uh, Trey Lance and Tua. Uh, I I know that was uh, going on. For anyone, I suppose, who, uh, if you're listening on the podcast, the the comments come in live uh, during the the show. If you want to get involved, uh, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and that's the easiest way to comment certainly Uh, we always enjoy interacting with fans whether that is on Twitter whether it is on Instagram, TikTok or on YouTube so uh, definitely uh, do uh, get in touch and uh, I would just uh, like to say before we sign off for the the two uh, really good games tonight, I think it is quite something that we can say on the this show that certain teams are trash and we can in say that uh, other teams wouldn't win even if they had the Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ as quarterback but fans who pay hard earned money, literally hundreds if not thousands of dollars are not allowed to express their opinion at terrible football that they pay their hard earned money to go and see in the stadium. Uh, people should be allowed to express any opinion that they want if they hand over money to go and see that uh, the fans are booing from the stands they're not on the side of the field inciting a fight like Bruce Arians
0: big Bruce this has been a crack.
1: Uh when are we back
0: Wednesday
2: yeah we're moving Wednesday yeah, we're moving our Thursday show to Wednesday from this week on yeah so Monday Wednesday Friday and uh,
0: 10 o'clock yeah no that sounds good I can't do nine so 10 o'clock Wednesday night uh, we are ranked at the minute number two in Ireland in football podcast thanks to everyone for that that means an awful lot to us thank you so much uh, and enjoy the games tonight if you're watching from myself from Colin, from Brian from Mark all of our DMs are open ask us anything in and we'll chat to you next time